0: Chapter Four of Among the Pond People. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. Among the Pond People by Clara Dillingham Pearson. Chapter Four: The Stickleback Father. Nobody can truthfully say that the sticklebacks are not good fathers there are no other fish fathers who work so hard for their children as the sticklebacks do as to the stickleback mothers well that is different this particular stickleback father had lived ever since he had left the nest with a little company of his friends in a quiet place near the edge of the pond sometimes when they tired of staying quietly at home they had made the short journeys up a brook that emptied into the pond it was a brook that flowed gently over an even bed, else they would never have gone there, for sticklebacks like quiet waters. When they swam in this little stream, they met the brook trout, who were much larger than they and who were the most important people there. Now this stickleback was a year old and knew much more than he did the summer before. When the alder tassels and pussy willows hung over the edge of the pond in the springtime, he began to think seriously of life. He was no longer really young, and the days were past in which he was contented to just swim and eat and sleep. It was time he should build a home and raise a family if he ever wanted to be a grandfather. He had a few relatives who were great-grandfathers, and one who was a great-great-grandfather. That does not often happen, because to be a stickleback great-great-grandfather One must be four years old, and few sticklebacks live to that age. As he began to think about these things, he left the company of his friends and went to live by himself. He chose a place near the edge of the pond to be his home, and he brushed the pond bottom there with his tail until he had swept away all the loose sticks and broken shells. He told some pond snails who were there that they must move away, because he wanted the place at first they didn't want to go but when they saw how fierce he looked they thought about it again and decided that perhaps there were other places which would suit them quite as well indeed they might find one that they liked even better besides as one of them said to his brother they had to remember that in ponds it is always right for the weak people to give up to the strong people IT WILL TAKE US QUITE A WHILE TO MOVE, THEY SAID TO HIM, FOR, YOU KNOW, WE CANNOT HURRY, BUT WE WILL BEGIN AT ONCE. ALL THE REST OF THAT DAY EACH SNAIL WAS LENGTHENING AND SHORTENING HIS ONE FOOT, WHICH WAS HIS ONLY WAY OF WALKING. YOU CAN SEE HOW SLOW THAT MUST BE, FOR A SNAIL CANNOT LIFT HIS FOOT FROM ONE PLACE AND PUT IT DOWN IN ANOTHER, OR HE WOULD HAVE NOTHING TO STAND ON WHILE HE WAS LIFTING IT. THIS WAS A VERY HARD DAY FOR THEM yet they were cheerful and made the best of it well said one as he stopped to rest his foot i'm glad we don't have to build a home when we do find the right place how i pity people who have to do that yes said his brother there are not many so sure of their homes as we and what people want of so much room i can't understand a muskrat told me he wanted room to turn around in his house i don't see what use there is in turning around do you no answered the other snail beginning to walk again it is just one of his silly ideas my shell is big enough to let me draw in my whole body and that is house room enough for any person the stickleback had not meant to look fierce at the pond snails he had done so because he couldn't help it all his fins were bristling with sharp points of bone and he had extra bone points sticking out of his back, besides wearing a great many of his flat bones on the outside. All his family had these extra bones, and that was why they were called stickleback. They were a brave family, and not afraid of many things, although they were so small. There came a time when the stickleback father wanted to look fierce, but that was later. Now he went to work to build his nest. First he made a little hollow in the pond bottom, and lined it with water-grass and tiny pieces of roots next he made the side walls of the same things and last of all the roof when it was done he swam carefully into it and looked around under and beside and over him were soft grasses and roots at each end was an open doorway it is a good nest he said a very good nest for my first one now i must ask some of my friends to lay eggs in it for me before doing this he went to look at the homes built by his neighbors after he left the company in the quiet pool many others did the same until the only sticklebacks left were the dull-colored ones the egg-layers the nest builders had been dull-colored too but in the springtime there came beautiful red and blue markings on their bodies until now they were very handsome fellows it is sad to tell still it is true that they also became very cross at this time. Perhaps it was the work and worry of nest-building that made them so. Yet, whatever it was, every bright-colored stickleback wanted to fight every other bright-colored stickleback. That was how it happened that, when this one went to look at the nest of an old friend, with whom he had played ever since he was hatched, this same friend called out, "'Don't you come near my nest!' THE VISITING STICKLEBACK REPLIED, I SHALL, IF I WANT TO. THEN THEY SWAM AT EACH OTHER, AND FLOPPED, AND SPLASHED, AND PUSHED, AND JABBED, UNTIL BOTH WERE VERY TIRED AND SORE, AND EACH WAS GLAD TO STAY BY HIS OWN HOME. THIS WAS THE TIME WHEN THEY WANTED TO LOOK FIERCE. SOON THE dull colored STICKLEBACKS CAME SWIMMING PAST, WAVING THEIR TAILS GRACEFULLY, AND TALKING TO EACH OTHER. NOW THIS FINE FELLOW, WHO HAD SENT THE SNAILS AWAY AND BUILT HIS NEST, who had fought his old friend and come home again, swam up to a dull-colored stickleback and said, "'Won't you lay a few eggs in my nest? "'I'm sure you will find it comfortable.' She answered, "'Why, yes, I wouldn't mind laying a few there.' And she tried to look as though she had not expected the invitation. While she was carefully laying the eggs in the nest, he stood ready to fight anybody who disturbed her. She came out after a while and swam away. Before she went, she said, Aren't you ashamed to fight so? We dull-colored ones never fight. She held her fins very stiff as she spoke, because she thought it her duty to scold him. The dull-colored sticklebacks often did this. They thought they were a little better than the others, so they swam around together and talked about things and sometimes forgot how hard it was to be the nest-builder and stay at home and work then they called upon the bright-colored sticklebacks for they really liked them very much and told them what they should do that was why this one said we dull-colored ones never fight have you ever been red and blue asked the nest-builder no said she but i don't see what difference that makes well it does make a difference said he when a fellow is red and blue he can't help fighting I'll be as good-natured as any of you after I stop being red and blue. Of course, she could not say anything more after that, so she swam off to her sister's. The bright-colored stickleback looked at the eggs she had laid. They were sticky, like the eggs of all fishes, so that they stuck to the bottom of the nest. He covered them carefully, and after that, he was really a stickleback father. It is true that he did not have any stickleback children to swim around with him, and opened their dear little mouths at him but he knew that the eggs would hatch soon and that after he had built a nest and covered the eggs in it the tiny sticklebacks were beginning to grow however he wanted more eggs in his nest so he watched for another dull-coloured stickleback and called her in to help him he did this until he had almost an hundred eggs there and all this time he had fought every bright-coloured stickleback who came near him He became very tired indeed, but he had the fight, you know, because he was red and blue, and he had covered all the eggs and guarded them, else they would never have hatched. The dull-colored sticklebacks were also tired. They had been swimming from nest to nest, laying a few eggs in each. Now they went off together to a quiet pool, and ate everything they could find to eat, and visited with each other, and said it was a shame that the bright-colored sticklebacks had fought so, and told how they thought little sticklebacks should be brought up and now the red and blue markings on the stickleback father grew paler and paler until he did not have to fight at all and could call upon his friends and see how their children were hatching one fine day his first child broke the shell and then another and another until he had an hundred beautiful stickleback babies to feed he worked hard for them and some nights when he could stop and rest His fins ached as though they would drop off, but they never did. As the stickleback children grew stronger, they swam off to take care of themselves, and he had less to do. When the last had gone, he left the old nest and went to the pool where the dull-colored sticklebacks were. They told him he was not looking well and that he hadn't managed the children right and that they thought he tried to do too much. He was too tired to talk about it, so he just said, Perhaps, and began to eat something, yet, down in his fatherly heart, he knew it was worth doing. He knew too that when spring should come once more, he would become red and blue again, and build another nest and fight and work and love as he had done before. There is nothing in the world better than working for one's own little sticklebacks, said he, End of Chapter Four, recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah.